Hello, and welcome to Plot Mechanics. I'm your host, Steve Voitage. I'm an actor and writer based out of Chicago. And on this show, we're not just going to review films. I mean, yes, we'll go into what's good and bad, what works, what doesn't. But what I'm hoping to do differently on this show is delve into not just the what, but the whys. Why does something not work? Break down the structure of the story and figure out what's not clicking to make the whole movie not as entertaining as it could be. And then, taking what we figured out in the last part, change that structure to see if we can't make it better. So, one warning, I guess. We're deep diving into the structure of an entire movie. So, spoilers, obviously. Although the movie we're breaking down today, it's not The Sixth Sense. It's not a movie built on a crazy twist. It's a straightforward superhero summer blockbuster action movie. One day you're gonna have to make a choice. Whether to stand proud in front of the human race or not. Man of Steel. Okay, so let's start with a quick recap of the whole film. We start on Krypton with Superman's father, Jor-El, trying to convince the incompetent council to save their species. No thanks, says the idiot council. Evil General Zod rebels, kills Jor-El after he launches his son with a codex that Zod wants. Zod's rebellion is defeated, and him and all his rebels are frozen in carbonite and Krypton blows up. We meet Superman on the deadliest catch. He moves from job to job, saving people along the way, but being shifty. We get flashbacks about his parents, talking about how he needs to hide who he is. Clark finds the Fortress of Solitude, and his father tells him to be Superman. Lois crashes the party. Flashback of father dying, and Clark returns home and tells his mother that he's found his people. At the hour mark, Zod makes his return and wants Superman brought to him. Superman quickly introduces himself to the army, and then he goes on the ship with Lois. Zod wants the Codex. Escape from ship. Gas station fight. World machine set pieces. Destruction of ship. Final fight with Zod. Superman kills Zod and we're all supposed to be really upset about it. And with Clark becoming a reporter as Abercrombie and Fitch Clark, pretending to wear glasses like a nerd but everyone knows he's still a male model just slumming it. Okay, so that's kind of the movie in a nutshell. So this movie sits at 56% on Rotten Tomatoes, which, after seeing it, seems pretty fitting. Exactly halfway between good and bad, being absolutely neither. So, what went wrong? The movie looks gorgeous, has some amazing action scenes. So what's missing? Problem one. So let's start with our bad guy, Zod. A hero is only as good as his villain, right? So what do we have in Zod? Sure, he's menacing and dangerous, but that has a lot to do with Michael Shannon, who can sound that way reading a mean sorority letter. If Sigma Nu said, yeah, we're gonna invite Zeta over, would you be happy? Would you? No, you wouldn't! But while he's amazing, the structure of this movie does him no favors. So let's start when we first meet Zod. This council has been disbanded. On whose authority? Mine. Okay, that seems pretty evil. He shoots the leader of the council right in the face. I mean, he shot her into nothingness. That would work, except for the fact that that brilliant council member is responsible for destroying their entire species. What are you doing, Zod? This is madness. What I should have done years ago. These lawmakers, with their endless debates, have let Krypton to ruin. So then Jor-El turns to Zod and makes this argument. Help me save our race. We'll start anew. We'll sever the degenerative bloodlines that led us to this state. And who will decide which bloodline survives, Zod? Um, okay. So right off the bat, they're breaking the show-don't-tell-me rule. Everyone watching this movie knows that Krypton is going to blow up. Everyone knows that. You've shown me who's responsible for that. The Council. And then you bring in this guy who wants to save his people from their incompetence, and you tell me that he might actually be worse. 
And I'm sitting there as an audience member having a really hard time figuring out what would be worse than everyone being dead. But okay, maybe this is Hitler replacing Mussolini. But if that's the case, then those stakes are actually pretty low, going from worse to worser. I mean, you want a big distance between things to make them dramatic. This thing's really good and the evil guy comes in and he's going to make it way, way worse. This does not do that. This happens over and over again in this movie. It gives Zod rational actions and then surrounds him with people saying how evil he is. I mean, they dress him in black, they have Michael Shannon's general menace exist around it. I will find him! This happens again when Zod meets Kal-El in the pseudo-dream sequence on the ship. I was Krypton's military leader, your father our foremost scientist. The only thing we agreed on was that Krypton was dying. In return for my efforts to protect our civilization and save our planet, I and my fellow officers were sentenced to the Phantom Zone. Yeah, okay, that's pretty much true. That's a line a bad guy usually spouts and we can say, he's lying, don't believe him, he wasn't actually helping, or he'll make it worse. But here, he's pretty much just being honest with Kal-El. And then Soups gets sucked into a pile of human skulls. Dramatic, but why should I expect Zod to care about humanity? Humans destroy species all the time, often out of neglect or even boredom. Why should I hold Zod to a higher standard than I hold my own species? So then Zod asks Superman, I can't be a part of this. Then what can you be a part of? That's a really good question. So our antagonist in this movie has a strong, while not noble, but clear and understandable goal. He wants to save his species. I have a duty to my people, and I will not allow anyone to prevent me from carrying it out. If our hero had a really strong objection, or if this movie made me love humans, made me believe that it was their time in the universe, that would help. But as we'll get into later, this movie does neither. The only one who puts up a fight is Daddy Exposition. Our people can coexist. So we can suffer through years of pain trying to adapt like your son has? You're talking about genocide. Yes, and I'm arguing its merits with a ghost. Zod's kind of right in this. Why is he talking to a hologram? Why is the hologram defending this decision? Why isn't Superman, the defender of humanity, the one who has gotten to know them, fighting Zod for all of them? Well, here's why. Problem number two. Clark's human father. Clark's father is the mirror image of Zod. Okay, so again, let's take our introduction to this character. I just wanted to help. I know you did, but we talked about this. Right? Right? We talked about this. You have... Oh, Clark, you have to keep this side of yourself a secret. What was I supposed to do? Just let him die? Maybe. Okay. I'm gonna play that one more time. What was I supposed to do? Just let him die? Maybe. That's the noble father of our hero character advocating the positive points of a busload full of dead kids. I cannot stress enough how crazy that is. I mean, I love this moment. Can I just keep pretending I'm your son? You are my son. 
but that's coming from a guy who had no problem with an entire busload of dead sons. Now, okay, maybe he has a really good argument, just an unbelievably great good idea as to why that needed to happen. There's more at stake here than just our lives, Clark, or the lives of those around us. When the world... When the world finds out what you can do, it's going to change everything. Our, our beliefs, our notions of what it means to be human, everything. You saw how Pete's mom reacted, right? But let's rewind the scene like 20 seconds. I say rewind because I'm old. He saw what Clark did. I know he did. I'm sure, I'm sure what he thought he saw was... It was an act of God, Jonathan. This was providence. Okay, do you hear that? That's the mother of one of the kids being incredibly thankful for what happened. What the movie tells me is that all human beings will, I don't know, tear off all their clothes and go nuts because they can't handle the truth about not being the most important thing in the universe. But what the movie just showed me is that human beings are grateful. They're not terrified, but overjoyed by miracles, as I would expect them to be, as I would be. If you save my child's life, I'm not going to go... I wish you hadn't done that. It's really messing with my worldview and my place in the universe. I'd really rather have my kid be dead. So this movie tells me that Clark's dad is a good man, but shows a more evil attitude than Zod does. At least Zod cares about his people. So this insanity also extends to his death, where he holds up his hand and he, as the good noble father, sacrifices himself for his son. But for what? I let my father die because I trusted him. Because he was convinced that I had to wait. That the world was not ready. What? First of all, if his father hadn't made him so afraid of his powers, Superman could have done the special thing of running in and out in the blink of an eye and saved him. And then it would be that scene with a joke and be like, Haha, these winds are really strong. Wow, how'd you end up here? So now, not only do we have busloads of dead kids, we have dead fathers, all for this argument that's actually pretty weak. Now, that being said, this again could work if this movie judged Clark's father as wrong. People can be wrong. People can believe their fathers, and then later on in life they go, wait, that wasn't true, that was a mistake. I love him, but he's wrong. I let my father die because I trusted him. And he was wrong. Now I have to choose a different path. Soups is going to do better but it really feels like the entire movie agrees with Clark's father. Can you imagine how people on this planet would react if they knew there was someone like this out there? What? They'd have to get over their own bullshit? They'd have to realize they're not the center of the universe? God forbid that should happen. I now have another character sharing Clark's father's sentiment, which, as far as I can tell, remains unchallenged in the film. This movie hates human beings more than Zod does. It thinks the absolute worst of them. That they're vapid, worthless babies that can't handle the truth and are better off dying than realizing for just a second that they're not the most important thing in the universe. Problem number three. The Codex. Your father stole the Registry's Codex and stored it in the capsule that brought you here. The Codex is Krypton's future! The Codex is not here. Where is the Codex, Cal? Where has he hidden it? I don't know. Where is the Codex? So when I first watched this movie, 
the codex, it actually kind of bothered me. But unlike some of this stuff, I really could not figure out why. So when I was rewatching the movie, I thought maybe it was a MacGuffin. So a MacGuffin is an object that drives the plot, but has no other purpose in the movie than to have other people want it and chase after it and fight over it. So if it was a MacGuffin, that wouldn't bother me. MacGuffins are fine. What matters with a MacGuffin is that it creates need in the characters. That conflict and opposition come out of it because they all want the same thing. That need and that opposition, that's the part that's interesting to us as audience members, not actually what the object does. We watch movies to see people want something, go after it, fight for it, and see whether they succeed or fail. The problem with the Codex is not that it is a MacGuffin, it's that it isn't. Only a few people actually want it. The person holding it has no use for it, i.e. Kal-El. So Zod wants the Codex. That makes sense. He wants it to save slash rebuild Krypton, and that holds the literal and figurative key. Jor-El sends the key with baby soups to Earth. The stakes for him are a little lower than Zod's, but okay, it needs to be saved and preserved by the last remaining member of the species. So now Superman has the Codex in the movie. It helps him learn about his people. Cool. But then Zod arrives and wants the Codex. He wants the legacy of his people. And Superman literally has no reason not to give Zod the Codex. None. It's not a weapon. The world machine is a completely separate thing. We learn that when we realize the Codex doesn't even matter to Zod, and the info is stored in Superman. Because I have located the Codex. It was never in the capsule. Jor-El took the Codex. The DNA of a billion people. Then he bonded it within his son's individual cells. All of Krypton's heirs, living, hidden in one refugee's body. Does Kal-El need to be alive for us to extract the Codex from his cells? No. Release the world engine. So he didn't even need the Codex to start that machine. Also, the Codex is involved in the worst sequence in the film, when Superman and Lois go onto the ship for the first time. General Zod would like this woman to accompany me. Um, why? Never gets brought up. No reason at all for it. No scene where Zod's like, I needed her because blah blah blah. Also for no reason, Superman, predicting somehow that he will be made weak on the ship and kidnapped, gives the Codex to Lois. Why? Because she needs it later on to start Papa Exposition to conveniently make it possible for them to escape the ship. It's an entire sequence built to get Lois and Superman on and off the ship without either of them ever making a dramatic choice. And the Codex's final act, as a terrible plot device, is to end up in the hands of humans who use it to murder the remaining 99% of Kryptonians left, exactly as Jor-El would have wanted. It's not that the plot device itself is so messy, it's how often it produces such weak feelings in our main characters for long stretches of time, so much so that Superman just casually gives it to Lois, hoping that she'll figure out a use for it, and then the humans use it, and Zod needs it, then he doesn't. And the big problem is, everyone spends a ton of time in this film talking about it. Problem number four. The symbol of the House of El means hope. Embodied within that hope is the fundamental belief in the potential of every person to be a force for good. That's what you can bring them. Okay, 
Well, we've avoided our hero for long enough. So there's a lot we've already discussed. Clark's father, Zod's level of evil, the plot devices that would really be solved by a really strong Superman. But this movie actually suffers a lot from an inactive protagonist, where stuff is done to our hero instead of the hero being active in his own story. Some of that is on purpose in this movie. The lessons from his father being passively accepted, the confusion of where he comes from. But others are accidental, they're just byproducts. Watching for the first time with Superman being on a fishing boat and meandering around with flashbacks interspersed, I really wasn't sure what he was doing. It's only at the end when he comes home and says, I found him. Who? My parents. My people. I know where I come from now. That's when I realized, oh, he's been searching for that, but I didn't know that the whole time. So I'm just kind of watching him wandery and unhappy, and therefore the movie felt wandery for that whole period of time. So then after that, what decisions does he actively make in the movie? He gives the codex to Lois for no discernible reason, and lets her and Daddy Exposition save him, he has some great fights, and then his big decision is to choose humanity over Krypton which was never really strongly presented as a choice. It's released in this rushed half-line. If you destroy this ship, you destroy Krypton! Krypton had its chance! That's it? It's so rushed, so stuffed in the middle of this big epic fight that it doesn't even feel like a choice. And alright, yes, I'm ignoring the one big elephant in the third act, what everyone seemed to talk about after they saw this film. Problem number five. Never. The ending. Now, I've heard it said all the time before that a movie has Act 3 problems, and that's because when all the bad plot points, weak character motivations, and loose ends from Act 1 and 2, they all come home to roost in Act 3. So let's start with what I think this last part of the film was supposed to do. I'm supposed to watch Superman battle the last Kryptonian, and over the course of the fight, Zod convinces him that unless Superman kills him, he will continue to kill human beings out of sheer revenge. Realizing this, Superman, who supposedly embodies truth, justice, the American way, all things good, is forced to do a thing he would never do. Kill someone and I am to feel his sorrow and regret at having to cross that line that he would never cross and kill the last remaining member of his species besides himself. So here's why that doesn't work. When I first saw the fight between Zod and Superman, I didn't enjoy it. I know I wasn't alone. I was worried about the people in all those buildings, worried that Superman and Zod were going to turn a bunch of people huddling in desks into a tiny explosion of fine red mist. When I started the rewatch, I thought, Oh, maybe I missed the fact that I'm supposed to believe the whole city is evacuated. But nope, there's no shot of a completely abandoned city. In fact, just before Superman kills Zod, Zod is threatening a whole group of people with heat vision. So there are clearly people around. Now, this could be solved. This would actually be a really great character moment if Superman is trying to move the fight to space or desert and just failing. Zod keeps pulling him back to the city. He can't get out of it. But that didn't happen. So about me caring about Superman killing. The movie up until this point has done a lot of work making me not care about Zod. He yells, he menaces, he drowns Superman in a sea of human skulls, he's called evil over and over again. You're a monster, Zod. 
His motivations could have been massaged to elicit some sympathy from me, as I talked about in Problem 1, but the movie is really not interested in doing that. So why should I care if he dies? This movie also spends a lot of time hating on humanity, so it's not exactly a strong pull in this movie to save individual lives. I mean, as far as this movie is concerned, if Zod threatened a busload of school kids, Supes probably wouldn't even bother because, you know, that's just the price of doing business. No, good, dead school kids. My equally dead father would be proud. But since this is a family on vacation, I guess this is suddenly different. I mean, did I miss the part where he rejected his father's teachings? I guess that's when Daddy Exposition told him to go be better. Was that it? Alright, so those are two corners of the triangle. Zod, people, and then our hero. And I've talked about our hero problem, but now I need to talk about our Superman problem. Characters come alive by what they do, what they say, and then also, to another extent, by what other people say about them. In remakes, sequels, the reboot, sequel boom we seem to be in, filmmakers seem to trade on this idea that they can just do what they like with a rebooted character and still trade on all that history. Maybe. I don't know, maybe most people watch it that way, but I, I don't. I accept what's placed in front of me in that film. And instead of watching Superman kill and saying, oh my god, Superman had to kill, this movie did such a poor job of establishing him as Superman as I know him, he's in danger of not even being Superman. He's raised on a steady diet of anti-humanity talk. Sure, he helps people out while he's wandering around, but he also does some pretty petty stuff, like wrap a dude's truck around a pole. He doesn't embody goodness. He's kind of angry all the time. To me, Superman isn't actually about defeating bad guys. Superman is about saving lives. So, I am much more of a Batman nerd than a Superman nerd. There's a line in the comic Hush where Batman says, Deep down, Clark's essentially a good person. Well, that's the old version. I guess I should do the new version. Deep down, Clark's essentially a good person. And deep down, I'm not. So, I am not claiming to be a Superman expert. In fact, as far as it goes, I'm not a Batman expert because I know there are just dudes out there that know way, way, way more than I do. But that's who Superman is to me. He's a good person. An immigrant who shows us the best of what we can be. Bruce beats the crap out of bad guys because he wants to make it so no one ever has to lose anything to crime the way he did. But he's also very angry about it. Cal has lost things, but that's not what drives him. His mission is not born out of that loss. It's created in his desire to make the world a better place, use his strength and his power and his ability to do things no human being can do to make that happen. The only thing he lost in this story was his father, because of his father's fear and loathing of human beings. So when this Superman kills, the problem isn't that it's a surprise. The problem is, is that it seems pretty consistent with the ambivalent dude we've been following. Okay. So those are the main problems with the movie as far as I see them. You may agree, you may disagree, but this is for fun, so who cares? Um, so let's not just pick on this movie and complain. So what would I do to fix it? Let's start with the center. Okay, so what I'm calling the center is the reason you tell this story, the reason you make this movie. It makes it so even as we're making changes, we keep its heart and we don't Take the Wizard of Oz and say, hey, you know what? Instead of Dorothy, he's a programmer. Instead of flying monkeys, they could be sunglassed agents in suits. And we keep the magic, but we add kung fu. And so now you've turned the Wizard of Oz into the Matrix. 
They're both great. It doesn't mean you've created a terrible movie. It's just not the story you want to tell. Those movies should both exist, and we don't want to change them so much that all movies become the same thing. In a film like this, this one's super easy. It's a Superman movie. It's about a superhero from another planet with incredible powers who uses it to do good in the world. And this movie more specifically, I think this particular film wants to deal with an alien caught between two worlds, between his people and his adopted people. And that's what our film is going to stay about. We're just going to change some elements so it's a little sharper, a little more dramatic, and a little more satisfying. So what are we keeping? The action is awesome. With modern movie making, Zack Snyder's brilliance with action, I could feel the speed, I could feel the power, I could feel him figuring out how to fly, the fights were incredible. And we can even keep the darker tone of this Superman, since that's a greater challenge to make him feel like Superman, but in the modern DC film, darker tone of their world. We're also going to keep the basic structure of Krypton, search for true identity with flashbacks, Zod's arrival to Earth, and then the final fights. Act 1. Okay, let's start on Krypton the same way. Jor-El in front of the council, arguing against them. So, we want to fix Zod, right? So I see two clear ways to do that. One way, one really easy, simple way, is to move him into the true evil zone, the big bad, zero sympathy. Don't make him a general fighting against the terrible, incompetent council that I am at risk of hating more. Make him the military dictator of Krypton. Put him in charge and make him responsible for the destruction of his people by his aggressiveness, blindness, hubris, all that stuff. It would sharpen Jor-El's fight, sharpen Superman's fight against Zod, trying to repeat the same mistakes, since he doesn't deserve a second chance. There would be a trickle-down to the rest of the story, making Zod not only evil, but incompetent and completely undeserving. So that's one solution. But I actually want to go the other way. Stop talking about how evil Zod is. Make him and Jor-El allies. Friends, actually. Old friends. Make Jor-El the insider in the council, who supports Zod's rebellion. They win together. They take over the planet. But it's too late, and the planet is going to die anyway. Zod begins talking about purging certain bloodlines. That can't happen, says Jor-El. That's not our way. It is the new way, says Zod. Our survival is all that matters. Another action sequence where Jor-El steals the key, he's chased by Zod and his army, Jor-El launches the key with his son because he has found a people that may find a better way. A younger race, one that shows promise. Krypton's time is done, Jor-El sees that. But his son may help guide this young race, so they do not make the same mistakes that Krypton did. Zod kills Jor-El for this, and vows to find his son and reforge Krypton, stronger than before. As Krypton begins to unravel, Zod makes a speech to his soldiers. He will be sealing himself and anyone who volunteers in the Phantom Zone to save themselves. There is no other way off the planet because the Council destroyed all possible ways to escape. Their time in the Phantom Zone will be long and painful, but it's our only chance to save our people, says Zod. Some volunteer, some do not, and Zod willingly offers himself to Purgatory for the chance to save his people. Act 2 Okay, so this one might be a little too controversial for a studio movie. But I'm just a dude talking on a podcast, ain't nobody paying me for this, so why not? Imagine you were a super strong being, impervious to damage, incredibly fast, with heightened senses. You wanted to help people. You grew up in America. What is one place that you could possibly go, somewhere dangerous, that your particular skills could use? 
instead of crab fishing, which I understand is very dangerous, and trust me, I'm from New England, I love crab, I think I want Clark in the Middle East as a mercenary. He can't join the army because he wants to remain anonymous. We'll get to why in just a second. But he's a mercenary who carries a gun, but never has to use it. He saves people without them knowing. Whenever there's a firefight, he takes all the bullets, knocks out any bad guys, saves women and children, both sides. There are weird stories surrounding him, but they're just stories. There's a scene where a U.S. Marine says, you know what, you should join up. Not some army for hire, but do some real good. Good. Is that what you're doing? Clark honestly asks. That's what he's trying to figure out. How does he do the most good? Which is exactly what we're going to set up in the flashbacks. So while Clark is in the Middle East, he's being tracked by a super smart reporter who's pieced together all the stories and knows there's something else going on. Interspersed, just like before, we have the flashbacks with his father, where we set up a slightly different question than the one his father set up in the movie that we already have, which is, can you handle the human race changing, which is kind of impersonal for somebody who just met the human race. Instead of instilling a fear of people, Clark loves people, but he also knows he's not like them. And his father says that he's going to have to choose between a normal life as a human being and embracing that he's special and not the same as everyone else. That people will ask something of him and make him an other so that they can receive his help. Young Clark doesn't want to choose, he just wants to be normal. But his instincts get in the way. That's what he can't reconcile. It's not torture, that's Batman territory. It's a dilemma, which feels far more like Superman. He wants to help but he's afraid of not being able to be human. So then we have a scene where his Merc group intersects with the army, where Lois is embedded. Lois puts herself in harm's way, knowing that Clark will have to act, and he does. Clark tells her that was idiotic what she did. She replies her job is to get the truth, and she got it. We do what we have to do. How do you know what you have to do, asks Clark. We flash back to his father's death. Instead of being a big, dramatic tornado, it's a simple farm accident. Clark's father gets crushed under a wheel of some farm equipment, and Clark blames himself for not being there. His father says he's wrong, that he is special and he can do great good. But he's also his son, and his heart will have to bear all the places he can't be, and all the people that he can't help. He'll have to find his own path, and figure out what kind of man he wants to be in the world. Lois listens to Clark, that he wants to find his people, find out why he was sent to Earth, and what he was meant to do. Lois says she can actually help but he has to come with her on her next assignment. Which happens to be in the Arctic, where the ship is buried, so here we match up where the film was. She tells Clark that she heard rumors that it's old and alien, and might just be what he's looking for. Lois introduces Clark as another reporter that works at the planet with her as a cover story. It is the ship, and his father, Jorel, tells him why he was sent to Earth, to take the best of Krypton and offer it to this young planet. He gives him the suit with the symbol of hope. The people of Earth are different from us, it's true. But ultimately, I believe that's a good thing. They won't necessarily make the same mistakes we did. Not if you guide them, Cal. Not if you give them hope. He needs to lead them, be the best of them, and show them what's possible. He returns home. My people. I know where I come from now. Act 3. So here we are again matching up with the film. Zod arrives, introduces himself to Earth, we have Superman meeting Zod on the ship, but let's not have Lois go on board, and Zod really ask Cal to join him, not predetermine that Superman's already going to say no. 
Instead of just kind of picking Earth to screw with Jor-El's son, let's have him choose Earth because it's the only possible planet they've found. The colonies have exhausted all their resources, so Earth is the only choice. You'll never be one of them, Cal. You'll always be another. Join us. Join your people. I'll need some time, says Cal, or I need to take some time to think about it. But he's just buying time. He gets the codex, or key as I'm calling it in this. It just sounds less plot device to me if it's the world key that will then power the world engine. But whatever we want to call it, it doesn't really matter. He gets the key in order to destroy it. They find him at home, which is where the key was, and they tell him to give them the codex. They have that awesome fight at home, at the gas station. Superman loses, and Zod gets the key, which powers the world engine. Zod powers the world engine up. Supes goes to fight that, while the humans figure out a way to return Zod and his people to the Phantom Zone. Supes destroys the world machine. Zod's army is returned to the Phantom Zone, all except Zod, who begins his rampage on Earth. Zod and Superman have an exchange like, I killed the father, and now I'll kill the son. You said he was your friend, replies Superman. He was until he betrayed Krypton and his people, as you have done. Superman replies, You would have killed them all. Zod replies, As they would have done to us. I have learned their history. They are violent, ignorant people. Superman. They can be so much more. And... Krypton had its chance! This Superman is forced to kill Zod, something we saw him trying to prevent in his time in the Middle East, in saving Lois. And now we feel for Zod, and we feel for him. So the coda, the end of this movie, is the city picking up the pieces, Clark talking to Lois, saying that he can never go back to his old life. He can never be a human being again. Lois is saying, I'm not sure that's true. She puts glasses on him. Glasses? Really? She says, yeah. The world sees what it wants to see, Clark. They're going to want to see you as more, so you can hide as less. They kiss, she feels his chest. Are you wearing your suit under your clothes? They laugh, cut to him being introduced to Perry. Lois tells me good things, Clark. Blah, 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 you're hired. Perry looks at him. Ready to do some good? Clark. Yes, I am. At that moment, his superhearing hears trouble. He excuses himself, opens shirt. We see Perry and Lois watch Superman take off outside the building, going to save someone. Hopeful that he can go do some good in the world. So that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to Plot Mechanics. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found it interesting. I'm really interested in hearing your thoughts. I hope you go watch the film again. Figure out what you agree with, what you don't, how you would fix it. Um, I can be reached at plotmechanics at gmail.com. I'm working on getting the website up. Uh, We're available on iTunes, SoundCloud. Until next time, thanks. Thanks.